0: This is an opportunity to reimagine the future for the Haitian people to build the country that they want to become instead of to rebuild what they used to be. We have to get through the emergency, we have to get it organized, and we have to have the right structure and the right support. I invite you to be a part of that.
1: Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson.
2: And I'm Khanna Jaffe-Walt. Today is Friday, February 12th, and that was former U.S. President Bill Clinton, you heard at the top of the podcast. He just got out of the hospital today.
1: And most of his work of the last few weeks and months has been focusing on Haiti, even before the earthquake. Haiti was a major focus of his as a special U.N. envoy. The piece of tape we played was from the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland last week.
2: Okay, Adam, on the show today, why the fate of a nation rests in some large Tupperware.
1: But first, the Planet Money indicator. Your
2: signature sound. The indicator is 0.1%.
1: And that is the incredibly pathetic GDP growth in the eurozone in the fourth quarter of last year,
2: the Eurozone. The Eurozone may sound to you like a bad nightclub. It is not. It is 16 countries that use the Euro as their common currency.
1: And most of those 16 did pretty badly. Italy, Spain, Greece, and some others contracted. Germany grew, but at a really low rate.
2: I will say three cheers for Slovakia. They bucked the trend, they grew at a 2% rate.
1: You know, Hannah, you and I spent last week in Haiti, and I have to say, reporting on the economy of Haiti really puts these economic issues that we usually talk about on Planet Money in perspective.
2: Definitely. I mean, lots of people are understandably upset that the economies of the U.S. and much of Europe have not grown much this year. But when you look at Haiti, like since 1960, Haiti's economy has consistently shrunk. It now has half the per capita GDP it had 50 years ago. Half.
1: We are spending a lot of this year asking two simple questions. Why are poor countries poor and why are rich countries rich? And Haiti is such a powerful place to explore those questions. When we were there, we kept meeting business people who told us precisely because our economy has been doing so badly for so long, the smallest little step in the right direction should have a huge return on investment.
2: Well, first of all, what do you what do you sell specifically?
0: Well, we we export mangoes. Mango is the number one agricultural export from Haiti. Uh, Are it, you Mr. Mango? That's what they call me. <laughs>
2: Planet Money, meet Jean-Maurice Bouteau, Mango Man, Monsieur Mango. He's an exporter of mangoes. He seems very well known, hence his nickname. Um, and he's this really, you know, friendly, gentle guy. I met him in his office the second day we were there. It's off this really long, bumpy gravel road. It's a nice, small, air-conditioned office with the secretary who brings us these tiny coffee cups. And Jean-Maurice sits down. He just gets right to it. He has a problem a problem that exporters in the Eurozone we were just talking about or in the U.S. would love to have. Jean-Marie has too much demand.
1: He cannot get enough mangoes onto shipping containers to the customers in the U.S. that want to buy them. Jean-Marie gets his supply from rural Haitian farmers. These are super small farms. These are guys who have three or four trees. And it's not that those farmers don't grow enough. They actually do grow enough to satisfy a lot more demand. He could easily double what he's exporting if it wasn't for one problem.
2: Right, so to understand that one thing, picture a farmer in Haiti. You've got your three or four mango trees. Harvest season comes. You and your kids, you go out, you pick as many as you can, and then you pile them in the corner of your house or in the corner of your field, and you wait for Mango Man, jean Maurice to come with his trucks to pick them up. Now, before he comes, if it rains the mango skin gets damaged. When he does come and you throw them on the truck, the mangoes get bruised.
1: Mango Man cannot export those damaged mangoes. People in the U.S. don't want to eat them. So he's in Port-au-Prince getting all these phone calls from all over the world from people saying, we want more mangoes, send us more mangoes. But then those pickup trucks show up from the farms and half the mangoes are not fit for export. We believe that we lose
0: 40% of what we collect because of poor post-harvest techniques. And they don't clean the fruit and they don't transport it correctly.
2: There's actually a really easy way to solve this problem. Plastic crates. You know, crates about the size of a milk crate. They cost five bucks. And Jean-Marie says this could solve the problem.
0: The simplest thing is cleaning the fruit, transporting it in, in a plastic crate to a facility that is not exposed to the sun.
2: So you are on a mission to get plastic crates to mango farmers.
0: Well, I mean, it's very self-serving because I'm going to have more product. I mean, I'm not a philanthropist. I'm doing this because I need the product.
2: So Jean-Marie has had this problem for a while, and he has tried just going out into these rural areas and handing out plastic crates to farmers. That, Adam, royally failed. People used the plastic crates for other things. They didn't know how to properly load them with mangoes. They didn't have anywhere to put the crates. The crates got lost. So Jean-Marie did something about a year ago he has never, ever done before, something he was loath to do. He called a non-profit.
1: And Hannah, I think we should mention something we kept hearing when we were in Haiti. Even long before the earthquake, Haiti has been overrun with all these NGOs, these nonprofit relief groups trying to make Haiti a better place, trying to build roads, give out food, improve the economy. And I'm Sure, many of them are doing wonderful things, but it's very common for Haitians to say, "Hey, we've been watching you guys improving Haiti for decades, and Haiti keeps getting worse and worse." Off, they don't trust the NGOs,
2: right? Which is all to say, it, it was not easy for Jean Marie's to make that call and ask an NGO for help.
0: Well, we are working. Uh, it's the first time I'm working with some NGOs. I've stayed away from away from them for the longest time because sometimes I realize that they were causing more damage than good.
2: So jean Maurice calls a nonprofit CHF, and CHF does this kind of work all over the world, you know, working in rural areas, building infrastructure. And it has a developed process that works. It's a formal process with rules. They're funded by USAID, so it's taxpayer money. They have to follow the federal acquisition regulations, but they're really experienced. They have expertise. So... And they're into it. They're excited about the plastic crate idea, not for the same reasons Jean Maurice Maurice's. They don't care about making him money. But if Jean Maurice is saying he can export twice as many mangoes, the farmers should make twice as much.
1: So they tell Mango Man, here's how you do it. You build a very simple structure, a tin roof near a road and access to water, and you can leave the crates there. That way you can pick them up easily. You can wash the mangoes easily. You can put the crates in a truck very safely. It's dry storage.
2: Just one rule. You can't set this up on your own. They tell Mango Man, you can't build it. The farmers have to own it. You need buy-in. You need to set up an association with a president and a vice president and a treasury, all that.
1: So now things are getting a little more complicated. Right. We're not just talking about getting a few plastic crates out to some farmers. Suddenly, we're talking about going out to those farms where... Many of the farmers are illiterate. Most of them have probably never belonged to any sort of organization. And we're telling them, you guys have to start this whole new association just so you can handle these things you don't really understand, these plastic crates.
2: right? And not only that, to do it, you have to all go to Port-au-Prince to some strange office and be together and sign a piece of paper in front of a notary.
1: So the most amazing thing... Is that this actually happened
2: I know Jean-Marie is really excited about it Yeah
1: he pulled it off It took many many months but he did it And so then Jean-Marie he brings the association's formal documentation to that NGO to CHF And they say fabulous We're almost there We're almost ready to build the crate houses But there's just one more thing You need someone in the association to donate land to the group Land where we can put the housing for the crates
2: And the reason that the NGO says this is they've actually, they've tried this before and they've done it where it's one person's land and it ends up being a big problem because, you know, then the one person owns it and they don't let other farmers use it. So they know, they they need to have an association and everybody to own it all together.
0: When I explained to the community that they had to donate the land and the land had to be accessible by the main road to get a truck. Just imagine, you are a small farmer and you own that piece of land. That's all you have. So all of these economical issues have to be explained well to the people. Now the guy that gave the land, he had brothers and sisters. He had to convince them to bring them to the notary public to sign the document. Okay? It took it took months.
2: That took months. It took months. Was that months of you coming and, and talking with him and answering his questions and how, well, how did that work? It didn't
0: take. I didn't go every day. We held meetings here, I went there, and
1: their family came here. Now they donated the land. All right, so just a reminder, we have the plastic crates. We've had those for a while. Now we have an actual legal organization that can own and manage those plastic crates and the housing that protects them. And now we have a family that's all agreed to donate their land for the good of healthy mango storage. This thing is on John Maurice is excited. The mango growers are excited.
2: Right, and CHF, the nonprofit, is excited. They say, great, we just need one more thing to make everything official. We need the deed to the land.
0: The family had acquired the land from somebody else. They never did the papers, but they had their understanding. So these papers first had to be transferred from the original owner to this family.
1: Now, it turns out this is very common in Haiti, murky deeds, murky land ownership, you'll find land given from one person to another in a verbal contract, or there will be land that does have legal titles, but in many different names. It's very confusing.
2: Right. Apparently, somebody told me that it takes something like 260 steps to transfer land from one person to another in Haiti.
1: And that means 260 trips to Port-au-Prince.
2: Right. Right. Which is a long way and hard to get to for a lot of people. And when you want to transfer land, it costs money.
0: The cost of registration of the organization it might be 500 goods. They didn't have it. The cost of paying the the surveyor to do the survey, they didn't have it. The cost of paying the taxes on that transfer. Even though I've been with these communities for a long time, I just didn't realize. So we had to go back, the the NGO that is helping, and say, listen, this is something that occurred.
2: Now, As we said, CHF is funded by USAID. It's taxpayer money. And remember that, you know, federal acquisitions regulations, they have a budget. They have a multiple step plan, a plan that cannot easily be changed for good reason. You know, it's funded by U.S. taxpayers. So they said to jean maurice you know, you you need to put this in the budget. We need to have this in the budget. You should have put it there. And this was last November. And this is where jean maurice sort of loses it.
0: I said, well, we had to put it in the budget, but, you know, there are sometimes things that occur that you, you know, I'm not God, I don't understand, I don't know every little detail of it, and I'm not working, I'm not an NGO myself. You have a staff, you have these people that are doing it, they could have seen it too, but it looks like they never got into that much detail of working, because when you fly, or when they are in their air-conditioned jeep, they go by the community, they don't realize that, who does that land belong to? How did they get it? Where is it going to go? I don't work like that you know I I, I work with reality. It's like uh, you know Hillary Clinton has to approve it at the State <laughs> Department they make it feel that that bad
2: Now Adam, to be fair, I did talk to the nonprofit They did not need Hillary Clinton's signature. They just have this process that they've you know, tested and have found problems with over the years and they've now made a streamlined process and they did actually stretch to pay the taxes to transfer the land. Apparently it involved some lawyers and a special memo but they paid the taxes the land got transferred and they, they actually even made it happen faster than the normal three to five years.
1: Alright so once again I'm going to sum up. That was everything. They had all the necessary paperwork a farmers association, land registered in the association's name Through a notary who does everything by hand, which takes forever. But yes, just before the new year, just like six weeks ago, it was all formally delivered to the government, ready to be finalized.
0: The document that recognizes them is at the Ministry of Social Affairs. The Ministry of Social Affairs has been flattened like a pancake. That those certain of the documents were in there for the validation. We have the name of the organization. But the document that recognized that organization is in the pile of rubble at of the, of the ministry, under the rubble.
2: So you're worried that now the NGO is going to say, you don't have the proper paperwork, we can't move forward?
0: They, 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 they're going to stick to their to their uh, bylaws and then miss the opportunity of building that center.
1: So, of things like this kept coming up again and again. We met so many people in the private sector in Haiti who had these really simple little steps that could mean tens of thousands of new apparel jobs or a revitalized tourism industry i've i've never heard so many people talk about the economic impact of a simple road being built and every one of them had just a simple series of steps and every one of them had a similar tale of woe all the reasons why they've been trying for years and the simple thing that would improve the lives of some of the poorest people on earth just couldn't happen
2: yeah and well now is a really interesting time in Haiti people have really sincerely have a different feeling about where things are and where things could go and you know the more people we talk to the more we got the sense that there is there is a feeling now like things could change, that the world is paying attention. You know, Mango Man actually said, he, he. I went with him to this meeting with the NGO, and there did feel like there was a sense of flexibility that maybe isn't always there, that these are, you know, really different circumstances. And people just really want to make these simple ideas, the ideas of Haitians that could make a really big difference. They want to make them happen.
1: So we're going to keep our eye on this. We're very interested in the UN Donors Conference. It's going to be in New York in a few weeks. We're the entire world is going to gather and say, all right, let's do it. Let, let's improve Haiti's economy. We'll also obviously be asking a lot of questions and seeing if, if, if it happens. Um, we're really committed to this story for the coming months and years. So please let us know if you have questions or comments about Haiti or about our coverage in general. You can send them to us at PlanetMoney at npr.org or visit us at, on our blog at npr.org slash money. I'm Adam Davidson.
2: And I'm planet Joshua. Waltz. Thanks for listening.